country, the things we worry about uh, are less likely to be uh, what they worry about in many countries, um, though sometimes it's got a bit nearer when we get floods and two times over and you've lost everything in your house, you may wonder, where's the money going to come from? Where's my food going to come from? Where's my clothes going to come from? Uh, that is often the case for still for a lot of the world, isn't it, actually? We, fortunately, we don't usually have to worry about where our next meal is going to come from. There are people around that do and have to go to food banks sometimes because they just don't know where it's going to, going to come from. Uh, but that was often, in Jesus' day, as it is in much of the world, uh, that was a very normal and natural part of life to worry about. Think about, where's my food going to come from? Where am I going to get... Uh, enough clothes to wear. Um, these days, uh, talking of the younger generation, most of they're worried, worried about uh, how can I get the clothes that look most fashionable and make me look um, good in front of everybody else. We're just worried about what people think of us, isn't it? That's a plague, a modern plague. I don't know how much it was a problem then. It's always been a problem, but it's just got magnified so much, isn't it? That uh, even you can have a uh, a tragedy, which I won't go to go into, but I mean of, uh, of Caroline Flack, who who probably just couldn't take all the world scaring at it and tearing her apart, and uh, and just couldn't take it, and she wouldn't be the only one that uh, that bows under that terrible pressure at times. So, what's the antidote for us? Uh, well, let's see here what Jesus says. Uh, basically. Uh, he gives us some, not food, but food for thought. He says, consider the birds and consider the flowers. So we're going to consider the birds and consider the flowers. Um, in one of the other uh, readings, he says, uh, consider the ravens. Now, I'm sorry, that's not a very big picture up there because it hasn't got a big screen. But there is a, a raven uh, sitting on his mountainside. That's one of the highest mountains in, in southern Snowdonia. And he's looking over his kingdom, uh, over his lush fields there full of food. Actually looks pretty barren, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know where he's going to find any food in that lot. It's just like a wilderness going out to the ocean. There's just nothing there. Uh, so it's going to be quite tough for that raven to find some food. Uh, but what does he do? Does he sit on his throne, looking at his kingdom, surveying it and waiting for the food to drop out of the sky? No. That's not how God feeds the birds, let's be honest. I mean, it might happen once in a blue moon that something just drops in front of them. Uh, but um, more on that later. Uh, and, uh, but uh, more often than not, they have to go off and hunt for it, don't they? And seek for it. And, uh, 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 and then he does feed them. So this is not a, a recommendation for passivity, but it's saying when you, when you seek for what you need, God will make sure you find it. That, to me, is one of the lessons from uh, the ravens. Uh, if we can press down to the next slide. Um, just press the arrow down. Uh, this raven, actually, I discovered was a particularly cheeky raven. Because I was sitting there on this mountainside with my back against the rock, having my packed lunch. And he sneaked round the back to try and steal my packed lunch under my map. <laughs> Goodness me, in the middle of nowhere. So I was going to be the one without food by the time he finished if I didn't catch him in the act. So uh, I had encouraged him by giving him a few crumbs because he seemed to be quite tame. So, so you see, God provides in many ways. This, the ravens are pretty clever. He's, God's given them a good brain 
They worked out when walkers come by, even in the middle of nowhere, there's nobody up there, I was the only one there. When walkers come by in the middle of nowhere, they might have some food for you. <laughs> and you might be able to steal someone's well. We, we won't go there. Don't think they've been listening to Jesus on that one. So uh, no stealing, but there we go. Um, so there's the ravens. Uh, Jesus also said in, in, in earlier in Matthew, um, or later in Matthew, he said, uh, consider the sparrows. Are they not sold in the market for uh, two for a farthing? Or um, if you buy four, you get one free. He said in the, other, in the other reading, he says you get five for two farthings. So there you go. Because um, that's how you do it. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say that uh, if you go to the market in, I think still today, I don't know how they used to do it then, but they were, you know, because basically they are food, you know, and people do eat sparrows because there's quite a few of them around. And they will sometimes just give, you know, five of you on a stick and there you go, you take them away for your, for your lunch kind of thing. Sorry about that. But they are, but they're, that's sometimes how they do it. But they're dead, obviously. They're for food. But they're just sold for nothing much. And uh, uh, there are many sparrows in Israel. We, if you think about sparrows where I am, um, I lament that probably the only birds I have in my corner of Low Hill that come on my bird table and my foods are sparrows. And I get about 10 sparrows sitting on my... I don't know if you can see them from where you are, Dave, but I get about 10 or 12 sparrows sitting on top of my big tree, my, my rubbish bush tree. Uh, and they just sit there all day waiting for me to put out my food and then they come and get it or, uh, or they go somewhere else. Uh, but there's a flock of about 10. So we think about many sparrows, flocks of sparrows. At least I'm keeping them alive. 70% of them in this country have disappeared, so I'm doing a good job. Um, but uh, I wonder how many sparrows you think there are in, in Israel. Uh, that, by the way, any ornithologists here? Oh, it's only me then, is it? That's not the kind of sparrow I get in my garden. It's a slightly different species. I, I saw that on a lake around Leicestershire a couple of years ago. I haven't seen them for ages since then. Anybody know what they are? They live in the countryside and the fields, but now the farmers have all got rid of the hedgerows. There's not many of them around now so much. Um, but they're not so much field sparrows, but where do you think you mo you'd see most fields, uh, <laughs> most, most birds, sparrows? Close? Trees. That's a tree sparrow. So uh, they're quite, quite smart, aren't they? Yeah. But the uh, sparrows they have in Israel uh, are, seem to be mainly Spanish sparrows. And they have some pretty big flocks. If you go to the next uh, slide, there is a flock of sparrows in Israel. So, uh, uh, and that's only one corner of the flock. So there must be a lot more there. So you can see sparrows when Jesus says, don't... Uh, one of those sparrows falls to the ground, your heavenly father knows about it. Those ones that are sold in the market. He knows and in some way he cares. There's an interesting conundrum. He cares even for the sparrows to some degree. It's a difficult thing to translate. It just says, no sparrow will fall to the ground apart from the will of God's father, of our father, my father. But it's, he knows and he cares even about the birds. He said, if he knows and cares about the birds, how much more are you worth than many sparrows and when in Israel they think of many sparrows they think of several hundred <laughs> God cares about each sparrow but you're worth more than several hundred sparrows that's God's care for you so consider the birds that may help us but then uh, he also says uh, consider the birds consider the flowers the birds they have to go out and find their food and God often provides for them in, in many ways. What about the flowers? Um, 
there's some flowers. Now, when Jesus said, consider, uh, one translation is the lilies of the field, mine is changed to the flowers of the field, because they try to think, well, what flowers might Jesus actually have been talking about? There's another picture I could have put up, I didn't get it on, which shows a field completely full of these flowers. These are poppy anemones. And uh, you can see, not a brilliant picture, but you can see what a deep, rich red they are, and they've got bits of purple and pink and white in them, and all across the field. And no wonder um, Jesus can say, I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like these flowers. In St. James's we gave out a lot of artificial flowers this morning, and they were quite well done. They did a lot of work to make those artificial flowers look like real ones, but how much better are the real ones? And God clothes them. But my thought about the flowers is, let's say it's a rose or one of those beautiful flowers, where does all that beauty come from, from the flower? I mean, say God, yeah, okay, but that's not, yeah, but where does it come from? They don't go around picking up bits of beauty from the, from the, from the grounds and clothing themselves, do they? Where does that beauty come from? Seed, so you plant a seed, it's all within them. The potential is all within them. You might see some tiny little poppies. Poppy seeds are really small. You know, and it can't, can anything good come out of that speck of dust? <coughs> Absolutely. And what does that say to us? That says, you might think, can anything good come out of me? Absolutely. God has put everything within you for you to shine out beautifully, uniquely for him as a child of God. Isn't that amazing? So you may think, oh, I can't do that, or I can't do this, or I won't be able to do that. Actually, God's put everything in you that you need. He's made you special, unique, and you've got very personal, special qualities he's put in you. And sometimes God will show them to you and speak them to you. We've been doing that a little bit to one another, asking God to show us. And it's amazing some of the things God can reveal through other people, just listening to God and this God has put this in you even when he doesn't know you, when that person doesn't know you. But God has put stuff in you. He knows everything he's put in you. And he wants you to shine out beautifully for him. So then you don't need to worry what other people think. Because God sees all that he's put in you. And it's really beautiful to him. And when that does shine out to other people, we're all beautiful, aren't we? We all do things that make us smile and laugh and think, that's wonderful, that's beautiful. And, uh, and that's how God looks after us, his children. Because we are made in his image. And how much more so when we have the Holy Spirit in us that brings God's nature into our nature and mixes the two together and we are truly children of God. Wow, what potential he's put in you to clothe you and make you shine out for God's glory. And that kind of shining will draw people from far and wide saying, where do you get this glory from? It's from his spirit living in me, bringing out the God colours in your life. And that's really the main message. But there's one more thing that we need to ask uh, because uh, he's talking about God's care for us as his children. Uh, but we should always take hold of the promises of God. One of the most important reasons we should read our scriptures is because of the promises of God. Uh, because they, they enable us to take hold of something that can really change our lives. And promises usually come with something you should do and then something God will do when you do your part. Now, I'm going to ask you to try and remember 
I won't put you on the spot, otherwise Chris will have to get out of that stone again. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask you the question, what promise, can you remember in the reading, what promise did Jesus say to summarise all this care that God gives to his children? He said, there's just one thing we need to do, and then we don't need to worry about what we eat, or what we wear, or anything like that, because God will take care of all of it if we just do one thing. What's the one thing he asks us to do? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. So I simply want you to ask yourself that question. Is that, have you taken that promise and begun to walk in it? It's a lifetime thing, learning to seek more the kingdom of God than our own needs and our own desires and our own families and our own self-centered things. But it's a continuous choice you can make every day when you get up. Whatever you do, you can seek first to pray. You can seek first to listen to his word and take hold of his loving promises and the power of them that brings out the God qualities in you. That's seeking first his kingdom from within you. You can seek God first in worship. You can seek him in prayer. You can seek him in simply, I like the little translation, not the little translation, the translation that one of the children read this morning. Uh, uh, seek God, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's a difficult phrase, isn't it? And his righteousness. But uh, they said something like, seek first his kingdom and to do what he tells you to do. How much do we simply come to his word and say, Lord, what do you show me in here I should do? If you say it in here, I'll do it. And if you speak to me and lead me to do it, I'll do it, even if it seems difficult. Seek to follow him in his ways. If we seek that more and more, you won't need to worry about anything else. And uh, I'm sure you'll all have stories, and feel free to pop up if there's a, at a celebration time you've got a particular one. Actually, I want to share this one today about how God has provided for me uh, when I've been seeking first to do his, his will. Um, uh, we've told our stories before, and I'm not really going to tell them again, but just in summary, uh, you may remember when we first went to China, we thought we were going to be paid money to teach, and instead they told us, no, you've got to pay money to be a student. Oh, goodness me. So what are we going to do now? But uh, on the little bit of money they gave us that ran out in the middle of the month, uh, when we just trusted God and kept doing what we felt we should do, uh, just miraculously, not miraculously, God just put a... Somebody had been there in the morning, just put some money on a windowsill that we didn't know until we I'd used up all my money and found it there. And it kept us going for the rest of that month till Christmas, 150 UN, which was as much as they paid me in a month. It's worth about £10. You could live on that for two weeks, just about, in China in 1991 uh, uh, but um, that was just a sign of God's care and provision and I can truthfully say because we were a bit worried about money then you know we would be under those circumstances since that moment we've never once worried about money never because we thought if God can do that and can provide for us and care for us you might talk about money and what you're going to do with it this, that and the other but never worried about it and God has always provided abundantly more than our needs even for more recent times, some of you know, we, we have rented out a house in Birmingham, but, um, which ought to work well, but then when you have three floods since the time you've been rented out, and two of those floods we were not insured for, so we had to pay for the whole thing. And that wasn't easy, and we had to just trust God for it, but um, with help from the family of the Good Shepherd, people like Matt, so could, you know, we obviously paid him for it, but, but we had God provided in so many different ways, and we, we saw through those things and thought, well, thank you, God. Second time around, it kind of went through and I think somehow we got through that without seeming even to 
exhaust our, our resources. And I don't know how that happened, but, but God does it. A simple example. But uh, if we seek first his kingdom, uh, he will provide for all our needs abundantly more. And uh, uh, some of you have been on the Alpha course, and it's just wonderful to hear better testimonies than, than ours about some whose lives are completely messed up. Uh, there's one or two of them in there that had been in prison and, and crime. Uh, I remember the one story who, uh, uh, of, a, of, a, of a youngish man who was expected to get a really serious sentence from the judge. And the judge just said in the end, said, well, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I just feel that you should be given another chance. And he let him go free. And because uh, uh, he'd just given his heart to Jesus. He didn't know that, the judge. And if I'm not mistaken, I have to go back and listen to the testimony again. I think it was actually the judge uh, or, or, or another judge, uh, somebody Finch QC, who then took after him, took, on, took him on board to help him and to mentor him. And he ended up marrying that judge's daughter and, uh, and being in the ministry. I'm not sure if it was actually the judge that judged him, so don't quote me on that. But just in an amazing way, he was blessed with a beautiful wife and a family and he now goes back in to prisons to minister to them. And it was just way beyond what he imagined. And there's another, another old, there's a Middlesbrough guy up there, you can't even hear what his accent is so strong on the, on the Alphas. And he just bursts into tears when he just realises, and oh, God's given me a wife and children now. He used to abuse women and do all those kind of things. And he just, just, just started crying because it's just God's so good. Because he's provided for him once he turned to Jesus to seek first the kingdom of God. And he just goes back into prisons trying to help lads like him uh, find Jesus. So will we seek first the kingdom? If you will, you will have abundantly more than all you ask or imagine. So let us pray.